Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Rugby Tonight podcast. I'm Ben Kay, and joining me today is Brian O'Driscoll. Hello, Brian. Hello. This weekend, we saw the last round of fixtures in the Aviva Premiership, and now all the attention turns to the European Champions and Challenge Cup finals in Bilbao. But before all that, let's have a look at some of the rugby news around the world. And item one, Brian, I think is probably in and around England's selection, not just of Eddie Jones's squad, which will probably just have been announced uh, as this goes out um, onto the airwaves. But also his coaching lineup. Do you think he's going to make any drastic changes with what happened in the Six Nations? Well, you, you get the sense that he, he needs to include someone in there. I know there's talk. I don't know if it's fully confirmed. That Rory Teague, um, who, who was originally with the England setup, has gone to Bordeaux, has, is highly rated down there, particularly since Jacques Brunel has left for the French uh, head coach job. Uh, whether he comes in. You, you do look back on the Six Nations. When you're coming from back-to-back champions and then is, do they finish fifth of, of six yeah. teams in the Six Nations, there's something not right. And they're definitely their attack game uh, looked blunt at times. Yeah. They looked um, devoid of ideas. They, they lost their shape. So I definitely think it's an area that they need to focus on. Um, they've lost three on the bounce. It's so unlike you know um, an Eddie Jones team. It is three on the bounce, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so unlike an Eddie Jones team. Um, so they have to try and fix it and, and quickly because they've got a tough tour coming up um, against a, a rejuvenated Springbok team. And do you think... If Rory T, let's for, let's say Bordeaux, don't want him to go, and and he's obviously the head man there, so he's going to be planning for next season. Other, does he go for a safe appointment? He said he wants an attack coach. Does it? Does he go for a safe appointment? Does he go for an English guy? Does it? We know he's used Glen Ella before in Australia. What do you think he, his mindset would be? Well, I think I suppose like all senior, you know, or head coaches, they they probably have a lot of difficulty in delegating that much responsibility yeah. and. Uh, it's definitely the case in Ireland as well. I think Joe Schmidt oversees um, things, but he definitely likes to have a, a heavy hand in everything, all different departments, irrespective of having you know a, a, a key contributor to that, be it forwards, defence or, or attack shape. So the personality of that individual has to fit in keeping with what Eddie Jones is looking for. And multiple conversations would have taken place in advance of, you know, outlining exactly what is wanted and what that role remit was going to be. And I'm sure Eddie would have laid down the mark as to making sure that individual doesn't overstep the line, uh, overstep the mark as to who's in control and who yeah. ultimate has fi- ultimately has final decision on how the team plays. 
talking of a, a similar situation, maybe, because a lot of us are, are wondering why Danny Cipriani hasn't had a, an, op, uh, an opportunity um, with uh, Eddie Jones's squad. There's a lot of clamouring for him to be taken on this tour. Rumours, you know, or, or you might think that a good time to maybe rest, rest an Owen Farrell, uh, or even if you take him, to use him sparingly. If you were Eddie Jones, would you take Danny Cipriani? Well, I, I, I think it's a difficult one because I, I don't personally know Danny Cipriani. I, I know Danny Cipriani, the player. So I don't know. You hear Chinese whispers of you know what sort of character is be behind the scenes. You know, is he divisive? Has he matured? Has he moved on from that uh, media persona of his early twenties? Uh, he, he definitely appears to be a very diligent athlete. He looks after himself extremely well. I, I was reading um, Matthew Side today talking about spending time with him over the last couple of weeks and how you know how impressive he found him. And that was all based or sparked uh, off the back of um, an article that he had written a few weeks back where Danny Cipriani challenged him and said it's, um, it's unwarranted, um, some yeah. of the words that he used. And he said it was all based on, the, on a previous persona. So... So you you look at uh, on the face of it from the outside, not knowing what he's like when you're not on the training park and not in team meetings. I think on form, Danny Cipriani is one of the informed players in England. Undoubtedly, the informed ten in England as well. And is that balance of him being good in a squad um, on on top of being in huge form? Is that a good enough collaboration for? The, you know, for it to be a positive move for England, I'm probably not in a position uh, to to dictate that or to 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 answer that. But on the face of it, he is a he is in the form of his life, and he seems very difficult to not pick. Well, I, I've always said that, and, and granted, what everything that you just said is you know a lot of it is people's opinions and preconceptions of of, of what he's like. But I've always said because of that, he's got to be playing a lot better than. You know the next the guy that's got the shirt. He's got to he's got to be show that he's got that golfing class for the coaches to go. Well, actually, you know I don't know this guy that well personally, but I, I hear all these things about him. But he's if he's good enough that actually we can't afford to be without him, he goes into the squad. And I think he's reached that stage this year. I don't think George Ford has been playing quite to the level that that we've seen him before. A lot of that might be down to how the packs have played in front of him, but. I, I think Danny Cipriani's his uh, vision and the way he's got that wasp backline ticking. I, I think he warrants that place in the squad now. But also, it's a little bit ironic that we don't know where he's going to be playing his rugby next year because of that England law system or, or the RFU law where you've got to be an English player. So is he biding his time now to see if he gets a shot before he makes a decision where his contract's going to lie next year? There's, there's no doubting you know, his, his attacking qualities. Any concerns around his defence? or not, Has he, has not he shored extent, that up a little so, bit? Not to the extent. I don't think either he or George Ford ever shirk a tackle, uh, which is... We've seen tens that do that. I, I think George Ford showed in that Newcastle game that he hasn't got the frame to be able to stop runners as well as an Owen Farrell has or certainly a Johnny Wilkinson used to have. Um, I don't think uh, you'd ever call Danny Cipriani one of those destructive defenders, but he will put his body in the way and we've seen him make some brilliant covering tackles as well. So I, I think Cipriani's a good, defend, good enough to defender to play international rugby without a doubt.
It was hard to argue with that, and um, I suppose time will tell. You know, will Eddie Jones finally get him in, included in the squad and 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 pick on form because that's what players want. Players want, you know, rather than play, you know coaches picking on reputation or what's been done in the past. Player players like being picked on current form and to shake things up. And Eddie Jones has done it in the past. Yeah, it's always an interesting time of year. It's not just the England team that's been uh, the, the squad that's been announced this week. Uh, we've got Wales and Scotland now. You've also got the, the the problem of you know you've got some Lions players and how do you deal with them on an England perspective? Do you take a Dan Cole that had that Lions trip and then has been played so much by England and and uh, and Leicester this year? So what's your opinion on the best way? You're, you're a man who's been on more Lions tours than most. What's the best way of looking after those players the yeah, following is, season? You know, is is Dan Cole going to be? You know, you're one or two for the World Cup in 2019. He is. So, um, do you? You know, will he? Will he be better off having? A, you know, a good preseason this year, having a good four or five week break. Absolutely. So I think, you know, yes, you know, the age profile would suggest that he, he could he could do with it. But you look at the amount of minutes he's played and and his and his injury profile over the course of the year. He's been on the park so on so many occasions and even. Sometimes it's even coming off the bench. You still do all the work in the week, and then you you mightn't play a full sixty or seventy minutes. You might only play twenty, but that 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 is impactful and that's cumulative. And um, I think someone like him, I think the smart play would be to leave him behind and and let him just freshen up a little bit um, and, and enjoy guess, time at home. I and guess then, the reason he's in the squad primarily is his scrummaging ability you know he's, he's not the most dynamic ball carrier and he's not the you know the ultimate defender difficult man to shift but off a ball it, absolutely brilliant over the ball but but his scrummaging would be his his major strength and I guess you know what he can do against South Africa you don't know what some of the other guys can do and give them a shot where they're not Getting thirty minutes at the end of a game, or, or vice versa. Well, you'll see that in the in in the Welsh squad. Yeah. Um. With um, with the announcement that Warren Gatland is going to leave um at home, all his his Lions players from last year. Now, you know, I contradict myself slightly because Corey Hill is one of the joint captains who's technically a Lion technically from last year as well. Flown in. Um. Who's obviously had a, a a pretty impressive season himself. But interesting that he he's definitely adopting that philosophy of. Squads are needed to win World Cups. Inevitably, you're going to have injuries, and you know rather than throwing players in, you know that have limited numbers of caps. You know only players that have two, three, four caps into the biggest environment. Yeah. The you know the biggest occasion. You're better off having you know 10, 15, 20 caps under your belt to be able to fully understand what's expected of you at at international level. And the only opportunity of getting that, it's very difficult to do that in Six Nations because so much is at stake. This summer tour and the November of the year leading up to a World Cup is the opportunity to sh to to give those players more of a chance, more game time, and see what they're worth. The the only thing about that, and I just wonder, you know, we all sort of or when you're not involved in the camp, you sometimes think, well, he's, he's He's deciding what team he's going to pick the week before. They're, a lot of the planning ahead of a World Cup's done four years in advance, isn't it? They mm. talk about peaking at the right times and and the fitness staff are involved in that. But I just wondered whether he was really hit by injuries in the Six Nations, Warren Gatland. And actually, it's probably the best thing that could have happened to them because they he played a load of players that, or you know, at least a few players that wouldn't necessarily have got much game time had there not been those injuries. And they all stood up and showed they were genuine options. 
And so I just wonder, has that shaped slightly this, that he, he thinks, well, actually, there's probably a few more rough diamonds out there that we need to consider? Or was this already in the plan? And it just maybe now some of those guys that didn't get a go in the Six Nations are looking going, well, he's now considered an international player. I should be. It's probably a bit of both. You know, it's, mm. I, I think it's these players have put their hand up, given the opportunity, maybe maybe before they thought it was their time. And, and they've, they've, sh they've, you know, Perform pretty well at, at Six Nations level. You look at the at the games that they lost. You know they weren't a million miles one score away from England. Ultimately, two scores away with that intercept that Jacob Stockdale made in the in the yeah. in the last play of the game. They were only one score, six points behind at that stage. So they're really not far away with a, a reduced squad. So you you put all the, that core group of players back in you put uh, Toby Faletau into any team you took you know we haven't even been talking about Sam Warburton um this year he hasn't played since since the Lions tour pretty much you put him back in the mix you put a really fit Liam Williams back in there um a Dan Bigger who's you know who, who's had his injury woes this year so you put all those players back in with that youthful vigor of, of players that have broken onto the scene you've got a pretty impressive they team. Are a threat aren't they before we move on to Scotland you mentioned it before I think that two players Corey Hill and Ellis Jenkins have been made co-captains a lovely tweet um from uh, Ellis Jenkins's sister Katie uh, which was when you finish four years of uni on the same day that the golden child is co-captain of Wales. And then she's posted a picture of a text chat with her mum, which says, uh, well done, darling. Oops, sorry, wrong child. Uh, uh, and then uh, she's come back with Ellis in the squad, is he? So uh, good to see that rugby is still the most important thing in Wales, not your education. Uh, and Katie Jenkins, we're all very impressed that you finished four years of university. Um, but uh, just before we move on, what, what do you make of that um, co-captain idea? Yeah, it's a tricky one. You know, it's, it's um, I, I get a shared responsibilities and, um, and giving an opportunity to, two potentially future captains to you know learn side by side but i think it's it's hard to have to have that domineering necessity yeah. as a captain when there's someone in a in a joint role um it's quite a new zealand thing isn't it they they've started doing we've seen a, quite a few of the the um super rugby franchises do it and a bit of that creeping into the the clubs over here as some of the uh, directors of rugby have come from from down there i'm not sure I like it because I just I don't really see the the point of it because in most setups you have your vice captains or even your leadership group that may not have even been nominated by the coach but you just know who the leaders are in the team and and I just think that it's hedging bets a bit, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. Um, does he know? Does he know who he's going to play in every game? Uh, is he going to play? They've obviously got um, tests against South Africa, USA, and Argentina. Now, I guess both those guys might not play in all the tests. Mm. Oh, it's very interesting yep. anyway. Uh, Scotland, uh, they've called up six uncapped players. Lewis Carmichael, Jamie Ritchie, Matt Ferguson, George Horn, Adam Hastings and James Lang. And Stuart McAnally is going to captain Scotland for those tests against uh, Canada, United States and Argentina. What, where, what interesting sort of to see Adam, 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 Adam Hastings in there, son yeah. of Gavin, yeah. um, who you know, didn't really, wasn't really working for him at, at, Bath, at Bath last no. year, went up to, to Glasgow to play behind Finn Russell. He's obviously learnt a lot in, particularly with Finn, you know, not touring mm. this year. Um, and he's been given, you know, some opportunity. He's obviously progressed well um, in that in that Glasgow setup, and now an opportunity to break into the to the first team. So yeah, I'm sure Gav will be an interesting interested spectator. And Argentina, obviously, they're really big game. 
they haven't always had success against Argentina, but uh, they're on such a high after the performance in particular against England, as Doddy Weir, who was on our show uh, a couple of weeks ago, couldn't stop reminding us about the Calcutta Cup win. So um, where, where are they? Where do, do they need new young players coming through or or do they need some stability well well there's a few there there's you know there's players like Matt Fagerson who's been good George Horn has been very good the latter part of of the season I think we were all a bit shocked by their initial performance in the Six Nations we you know they flattered to deceive in that first game you know they'd had a really imp impressive November series you know beating Australia really well narrowly losing out to New Zealand we had so much hope for them and then uh, Wales put them to the sword in Cardiff in game one, and then just takes the wind out of mm. your, you know, out of their sails a little bit. But then they got that going again with a huge performance against England. The big question for me is about consistency with Scotland and can they win away from home? They've got a terrible record in Six yeah. Nations of winning away from home. It's one thing winning in Murrayfield, but respect and credibility only comes when yeah. you go on the road. So great opportunity this summer. And, and Argentina is the one that they've got to go down and, yeah. and win down there. A tough place to go and win Argentina. Not easy. Never played there, but I've, oh, it looks pretty it's brutal. It's a great tour, mind. <laughs> right. Uh, before we move on from the news, um, while we were on air with Rugby Tonight, uh, it was the RP a play, uh, players awards ceremony and the main prize for uh, players player and probably the one that's players probably covet the most because it's voted for by your peers though you can't vote for anyone in your own team uh, but Toulouse Veanu won the RPA players player of the year deserved yeah, I think he's listening. You were a bit spoiled for choice, even at full back. You know, you look yeah, at, at, Willie at, LaRue. at Willie, Willie LaRue had, a, had, a, had an outstanding and he's still going strong. Yeah. Another good performance at, at the weekend. I think, you know, you look at Jason Woodward playing well there. Is he going to get capped by, by England on the, on the summer tour? So even at 15, I think we've been spoiled for choice talking earlier about Danny Cipriani, the way he's played, the the, the manner in which he's got that yeah. backline ticking and, and that attack game of, of Wasps going so well. So. Yeah, if you if you're outperforming and and you're being picked by your peers ahead of you know some of the players that have played as well as they have this year, you know you must be doing something right. I love the Toulouse story though because he he didn't have a club to go to. He went when the World Cup finished. He was he didn't have a contract. He didn't have anywhere to go. Leicester took a chance on him, and you know he has become the well the player's player and. and you know, to think that we might have uh, have lost that finishing ability and that ability to beat people um, from our from the Premiership is uh, it's amazing. There Terrific must be a few story. other lost people out there. I'm sure, I'm sure. And then into um, Young Player of the Year, no huge surprises on this one. No, I mean ben. he he broke onto the scene right at the beginning of the year, but partly because of the as is often the way for young players, the injury to Kachakilis gave, gave him more uh, game time. Uh, Harlequins were really struggling at half-back because of injuries. Not that he wouldn't have got a game anyway, but um, you know he, he they couldn't manage his progression probably quite as much as they would have wanted to. I think they when he first broke into the team, uh, John Kingston was doing his best to keep him away from too much media and stuff, but then he was suddenly the linchpin 10 and trying to hold it all together while everyone was falling around by his feet. So, this is obviously Marcus Smith that we're sorry, talking Marcus about, having, having not yeah. mentioned him at, at the top. Yeah, he's um, he's had a, a huge year and he's been catapulted into the into the limelight and you know training with England and, yeah. and earmarked as, uh, as, a, as a future 10, but he seems to have a... A, a really well-rounded game. He seems to have an appetite to learn. He seems to be a well, 
a well-rounded individual yeah. and I think that it you know impresses coaches particularly when you get into international setup they want to look at the individual as well as the skill set yeah we've had you know we've had a lot of young tens come through the ranks of English rugby and you know get capped very early on Johnny obviously got capped really early uh, George Ford um, Owen Farrell I think Marcus Smith is a slightly different sort of 10. He's, he's slightly more of a running threat, attacking threat. Maybe those guys were a little bit more conservative. And as a result, it's almost easier to put them into the test arena because that experience isn't quite as vital in mm. knowing when to throw that miracle pass and when to make that break and not get caught. But certainly at times he's made some electric breaks and and, and uh, be great to see him in an English shirt one day. And then Danielle Waterman, who uh, was on with Doddy on uh, Rugby Tonight, she has won the O2 England Women's Player of the Year just as she retires She's just from retired the game. recently, a couple of weeks yeah. ago, isn't that right? I, I mean... I've, I don't want to say this and, and sound patronising in, in any way at all, but one of the best England players I, I think there's been, and, and we've just talked about a young man, Marcus Smith, making some exciting breaks, and Talusa Veanu. You look at her highlights reel, and it is off the charts brilliant. And uh, so we wish her very well uh, in her future. And then the final one, England's Men's Player of the Year in association with All Sport Insurance. Um, one for the heavies, Mako Vunapola won that. So fair, do you think? Yeah, I, again, you know, a very consistent year. Um, even when England weren't shining in the Six Nations, I think he was one of the standout performers. Yeah. You look back to that that Ireland game and on St Patrick's weekend, and I thought, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't believe he was being substituted at 60 minutes. He yeah. was undoubtedly their best performer. Yeah. So. I think that's a real sign of the, of an individual of when teams aren't going well, if you're still able to impose yourself, you're still able to play your game, you're still able to stand out from the crowd. So uh, hard, I, hard to argue with I that. I think he's only going to get better because the level of competition that he's got in and around him for Lucid. So we know Joe Marler's job. I, I think Ellis Genge's stock is rising. He's a supreme athlete, Ellis Genge, and I think that's... That that level of competition between those three guys, We've got Hepburn as well coming into the into the squad from the Chiefs. It's it's only going to drive Mako to become even better, and uh, so maybe we've still got the best years ahead of him. Right, let's move on. And last weekend, the sun came out for the final weekend of the Aviva Premiership uh, with the semi-final matchups and European spots all decided. I guess the big games uh, were the ones that we were covering on BT Sport and Leicester Tigers managing to recover from missing out on the um, on the semi-final spots by securing their Champions Cup spot for next season with a 35 points to 13 uh, away victory to sail. I think the big story from that was that George Ford, who you know, some of the pundits have been criticising, yeah, man been, of the match, mm. and he, he he answered his critics by his standards. He's you know he hasn't had a great six months, um, both in in white and and in the green of Leicester. But he he certainly stood up and 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 had a a, a big performance. Obviously, they'll be bitterly disappointed. I think it's the first year in thirteen yeah. that Leicester haven't yeah. qualified for the for the playoffs, which is remarkable in itself. But fourteen, yeah, fourteen, they, they yeah. did thirteen on the bounce. Yeah, yeah so yeah. to. Um, you know, to to go and and win away, which is no easy game in in the AJ yeah. uh, Bell against Sale to go and and put thirty five points on on a Sale team that you know were still in the mix themselves uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah, and then the other big game was the battle for who was going to play who in the um, in the semi finals. Wasps against Newcastle up at Kingston Park. Um, and uh, Wasps came out with a thirty nine twenty two emphatic victory 
any surprises? Did you think Dean Richards was that bothered about the the game that with the way he set set his team up? Well, listen, they you know they knew with the number of victories that they they had that they had that buffer. You know, they were they they had that um, that fourteen. I think it was fourteen victories that they knew Leicester couldn't get yeah. to. So they they knew that they were um, going to be finishing in fourth place most likely. If um, if well, if, obviously if if Wasps were to to win, it's much of a muchness in the semi-finals. Who would you prefer to be playing Exeter in, in well, Sandy just, Park uh, or, yeah, or I, I guess the Saracen other thing I thought was I think Newcastle play more like Exeter. But Exeter are very good at it, and so would you have preferred to have gone and played Saracens if you're Newcastle, and play a difference and try and own the tactics if you like, and and try and get them into an arm wrestle. Um, I but think we'll see. It, I think we'll see a different Newcastle yeah. um, next week. I think absolutely. Um, I think and they, their they, blueprints probably Leinster from yeah. earlier in the season because yeah. Leinster went there and played out, them at their own played game, them at their own game mm-hmm. and out-muscled them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting. And Wasps, I think Saracens will be slightly nervous about playing them with the way they played. Uh, shall we move on to uh, those European finals? We just mentioned uh, Leinster. Um, Bill Bow, we're off there yeah. on Thursday. Tough gig. Yeah, be, be really hard. That. Um, and uh, I think firstly, I think it's great that they're they're trying to get into new territories. Yeah. I think it's brilliant that we're we're spreading the love beyond the UK, Ireland, France, um, trying to get into uh, areas to grow the game. And but I think as well, you go to destinations where mm. people are going to want to travel, regardless of whether their team's there. So yeah. you can sell those tickets early and not rely on the finalists selling you know all of the tickets. And so I think I think it's a great idea. I've already bought my tickets for Newcastle on yeah. that note for next yeah. year. Tuxedo Princess. Good, good night down on Osborne Road. I think it's sunk. <laughs> I think the Tuxedo Princess has sunk. Well, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, uh, Madame Coos, I think, was the, the, the favourite spot from one, a couple of years ago. Um, so what do you expect to happen? And are, I think we all know that Leinster are favourites. Um, Machino, is that a killer blow? Huge. Can they deal without I think it? It's, I think it's absolutely huge. Um, just the form that he was in, particularly the way he played, not not just that semi-final. I think he's been he's dictated play extremely well for them in the group stages. He's navigated them through games, um, had some really big important moments um over the course of, of, of the of the group stage. Um and and his loss just seems enormous on a couple of levels. Obviously from a guidance perspective, his goal kicking, he's mm. got a huge percentage. I think it's eighty four plus percent. And the knock on effect to that is you know, who do you play then at ten? Who comes in yeah. as a goal kicker? Do you I don't know what Pat Lambie's numbers are off the top of my head, but I would think that that Dan Carter's numbers are better than Pat Lambie. Yeah. So does that mean that Carter comes in and potentially starts ahead of Lambie? Would that would that bother Leinster in the slightest? Would they? I'd be, prefer would to play against Pat Lambie. I won't yeah. lie. I would prefer Just to play against Pat Lambie Carter's if I was Leinster. Just because, yeah, because you he's know got he's got one, one more big game. one. Yeah, he's yeah. got a huge one yeah. in him, and I was unbelievably impressed with him in the in the semi final. He came on Those and his tackling, his tackling, well. yeah. He made he made two guaranteed try try saving tackles yeah. and thirty six I think he is now, you know, tens of thirty six don't in yeah. general you know One they're tackle. they're they're pulling the handbrake <laughs> up they they're they're on the they're starting to check out Yours. and he was exceptional. Yeah, 
I think we're, it would be a massive upset if Leinster. Do you know what would be this. great for the game? Would be if Racing maybe not not quite started like they did against Munster, but if they start with you know and score first. Yeah. I think that'll rattle cages, and that'll then we'll see what, yeah, what Leinster are, are made of. And and they've got you know they've got potential players that can create opportunities out of nothing. You know, uh, Nakarawa, uh, his offloading ability, Teddy Toma. You know, the, there are people who have been in rich veins of form, both for Racing and obviously Teddy Toma was for France before his little indiscretion in Edinburgh. So there's certainly people that that could, if it's a tip, I guess for Racing, you say about a big start, but equally... If they were, if they're in touch with 60 minutes to go, I think Leinster are going to be the. We should have put this to bed. That, yeah. That's going to be their mindset. And God, there's a, you look in the eyes of the people that are opposite you, and you know that there's people that can score that miracle try. I think st- the only thing is, I do think stats can sometimes lie, but it, but in this case, I don't know about Racing being an 80 minute team. Yeah. You know, they they score a huge they're number heavy, of their, the their points are heavy, aren't they? in in the yeah. first 20 minutes. They get off to flying starts, and then. And their defence has been pretty miserly in this competition and in the top fourteen as well. So, you know, if you if you have that firepower early on, and then and then and and then you make it difficult for for sides to beat you. But I I think Leinster have a little bit more ingenuity to their game plan. They're going to be able to pull that defensive system yeah. apart a little bit more. So I I it'll it'll it's a really interesting tussle. But I um I obviously hope that my old team uh, managed to get it done. But Undoubtedly, it will be. It'll be the toughest test for them this season. Right, uh, yeah, that is uh, live on uh, BT Sport Two this weekend. Uh, before we get to that game, which is obviously on uh, Saturday, coverage beginning at four pm. Uh, the European Challenge Cup final is on Friday night, uh, with Gloucester taking on Cardiff Blues. That's a seven fifteen uh, kickoff. Who do you like in that? Um. <laughs> Oh, it, it's tough. I think I, I would make Gloucester favourites. Yeah, I, I agree. Because of their, funnily enough, the likes of Ed Slater coming in and just adding a bit of steel to that forward pack. So yes, they've got some great players like Jason Woodward that can, uh, you know, open. They've got a bat line that can open you up, but they've just got the ability to to outmuscle you as well. Ackerman giving you the 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 uh, explosive ball carries as well. So. I guess the only problem they've got is they've got a few guys missing. Uh, I'll say only problem. Obviously, Carlos will have something to say about that. But no, Willie, Willie Hines, um, Owen Williams, Charlie Sharples, and, and it looks like Tom Savage might be out. But I think they've got enough in there. I, I don't think there are positions that they can't deal without those guys. But, I mean, you you probably have seen more of Cardiff yeah, this and year. They, and they've been really good the second yeah. part of the, of the season again. Um, Cardiff are a strange one, particularly in Pro 14 They've gone under the radar, but but they comfortably qualified yeah. as as third place in in their conference. Again, they've a good have a good defence. They don't score a huge number of tries themselves, but they make it hard for for the opposition to score. They've got um, a, the double playmaker in in Jared Evans and yeah, and who's Gareth, been a, who's been absolutely who's been fantastic, very very yeah. good, and, and Gareth Anscombe obviously, who's playing yeah. some playing some really good stuff. Yeah. Evans not going on that um, that Welsh tour, yeah. so I'm sure he'll have a point to prove in one of the final games of the season. Um, so yeah, they both they both got credentials in this tournament too. Gloucester won it a couple of years ago. I think Cardiff went and won in France against Toulon before they really emerged back in 2010. So you know neither of them will 
be scared of of the occasion. It's an opportunity to finish the season with trophy with silverware, and that's that's a, a big carrot at the end of yeah, your year. I think that'll be huge. So. We've probably got a plane to catch to Bilbao, so don't forget that's Friday night, 7.15 on BT Sport 2 for the European Challenge Cup, Gloucester against Cardiff Blues, and then Leinster take on Racing 92 for the European Champions Cup, live from Bilbao on BT Sport 2, and coverage begins on Saturday at 4pm. That's all we've got time for this week. Next week on the Rugby Tonight podcast, we'll be looking ahead to the Aviva Premiership semi-finals as Exeter take on Newcastle and Saracens host Wasps. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show, and thank Thanks for listening. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.